Hey everyone, welcome to Tetsuo Tells a Story. I'm Tetsuo. If you're new to the channel, be sure to subscribe and share my video with family and friends. If you have any topics or ideas you'd like for me to do, place them in the comments below. Talking about comments, this episode was requested by you, my subscribers. So special shout outs to Ale Yang and Jia Zhang for requesting this episode. Now, without further ado, relax and turn on your nightlights. Please enjoy this episode titled Seven True Chilling Haunted House and Paranormal Stories. Story 1 a year of my childhood was spent in an old and haunted house. The house was dark in the daytime and cold during the night. Outside, the red paint on the wall was chipping away and my parents tried hard to keep the grass alive. We lived in that place for only a short time, but the things experienced there are remembered for life. We had to throw away an old sofa. One night, when everyone was in bed, but not asleep yet, a sound came from the living room. It sounded like someone was jumping on the sofa. There were five of us living in the house. My sister and I were still young, and we slept with our parents. My older brother slept in the other room. All of us were in bed, and we can hear my older brother talking on the phone in his room. We never sat on that sofa again. And after a few days, my cousins helped pulled it onto the curb. On an early morning, sometime in September, when the mornings have become very cold, my brother rushed into the bedroom and woke everyone up. Did you hear that? He whispered. My brother was always the first to wake up because he had a morning job that began very early. What is it? whispered my parents. Did you hear it? It sounded like kids playing in the living room. Yes, I heard it too, said my mom. In a similar event, my uncle came to visit and he slept with my brother in his room. Later that day, my uncle asked me why I knocked on the door so early in the morning. When he opened the door, I ran off to the living room before he could see me. That was strange because my uncle woke up before I did and was chatting with my parents in the living room before I was even up. I once overheard my mom talking on the phone with a friend who visited earlier that day. Her friend said through the phone, Your little boy is very shy. I met him a few times on my way to the bathroom, but he ran away before I can talk to him. On that day, my sister and I were told to stay in the bedroom so we wouldn't disturb the adults while they were chit-chatting. I stayed there the whole time. My mom, of course, knew of this, 
So she asked her friend, Which one? What did he look like? Her friend responded, You know, the little one, the one with the long hair. My dad never let the boys keep long hair. We had always had very short, clean cut hair. All my childhood pictures showed this. Did you see his face? asked my mom. No, I didn't see it. He was always looking away, answered her friend. One afternoon, I heard a baby crying from the closet in the living room where we hung our coats and stashed the toys. I opened it and a doll fell out. It was one of my sister's very old life-size baby dolls. Crazy thing is, the crying stopped right when I opened the closet door. But that story is an entire story of its own, and I will tell it in detail if enough people request it. Story 2 This happened about two years ago, near the end of September. My aunt and her friend decided to fly up to New York from Panama to enjoy their mini vacation with my parents and I. Although many strange and paranormal experiences have happened to me ever since I was little, this event stayed with me and affected me more than the other experiences. Here's the thing, many things have happened to a lot of my family members, especially my aunt and her friend. We'll get back to that later though. So it was around 10.30 p.m. at night. Keep in mind that my old neighborhood was very calm and a quiet place. Since I live near the countryside, with not much action happening in the neighborhoods. The neighbors were either elderly people or very young couple with small children. None of that could cause trouble around the neighborhood. There were about 20 to 25 houses in the entire neighborhood that I lived in. Moving on, the three of us decided to stay up late to watch scary movies while my parents slept upstairs in their room. My aunt's friend was sitting near the sliding door leading to the backyard while my aunt and I were sitting on the larger couch near the front door. I was sitting on the left side where the door faced and my aunt sat on the right side of me which meant I was closest to the front door. We spent about 10 minutes debating on which movie we should watch. After those 10 minutes, we finally chose to watch Odd Thomas, which wasn't really a scary movie. It was about a guy who could see spirits and demons. What a coincidence. We were only 2 minutes into the movie when I had a sudden urge to look at the door. I glanced back at my aunt and her friend, only to see them staring at the door as well. I looked back at the door for about 5 seconds, then 
came a loud bang. Then another one followed right after. Then a third. All three bangs came from the front door. Almost as if five people had just body slammed into the door three times. I thought the door was going to fly off of its frame. My first instinct was to run into the kitchen and grab a knife. But as I was about to do that, my aunt grabbed me by the shirt and told me to stay down. As I looked to my right, I saw my aunt's friend with her knees to her chest, rocking herself back and forth, while my aunt just kept her gaze towards the door. While all three of us kept our attention to the door, next to it were two small rectangular windows on either side of the door. The right window had a small curtain, and the left side was being covered by a small decorative tree. The small curtain had a gap in between it because it was glued onto the window from the top area to the bottom area, leaving the middle part loose. At the moment of the bangs, it caused the middle area of the curtain to puff up slowly and then quickly pressed against the window, leaving it wrinkled. After that, we were all silent. All of us were terrified. My aunt denied being scared, but at that moment, I could see nothing but fear in her face. I wanted to run upstairs to get my parents, but I was too afraid to go up the stairs because it was right in front of the door. All I could do was text them and call them, but they were too deep in their sleep slumber to hear their phones ring. My aunt told the two of us to calm down and to dismiss it as the wind. We all knew that there was no chance it was the wind, but in order to stay calm, she made up that excuse. And I must say that it was totally cliche. The next morning, I told my mom about the previous events. She brushed it off by saying that it might have been a deer or just some wild animal. Another cliche thing to say. We both went outside to inspect and found my mom's decoration near the front door thrown to the side. There were no scratches or bumps on the door. Everything seemed pretty normal, except for her decorations laying on the side. When the three of us looked at the door the nights of the event, there wasn't anything that could have caught our attention. Since the woods were 40 meters away from the house, we could have heard the trees moving with the wind, but we heard nothing. The movie was playing at that time, but it was strange how we all felt a certain urge to look at the door as if we knew that something was going to happen. The bangs were extremely loud and caused me to jump up from the couch. It couldn't have been any kids playing a prank on us because we've been living here for three years 
and nothing like that has ever happened. Plus, I knew the neighbors well enough, and I don't think they would do something like that. There were exactly three bangs, one right after the other, and it could have caused the door to fly out of place, but thank God it didn't. What about the curtain? The only explanation that we could come up with was that the impact of the bang created a wind causing the curtain to react that way. But why did it inflate so slowly if the bangs were rapid and then causing it to go against the window so fast after the bangs were over? My aunt thinks that the wind could have been knocked off its course. That's why we didn't hear the trees move and it had created such huge columns of wind. With that, it could have caused the door to move with such force. The gust of wind might have gotten inside the house from the cracks of the door, leading to the curtains to puff up. Personally, it doesn't make sense and sounds like total BS to me. She also mentioned that she saw a shadow outside, but doesn't have an explanation for that. I didn't see a shadow though. My mom came up with an excuse as well. She said it could have been a deer or some kind of animal. But why would an animal or a deer bang their head or entire body into a door? Like I previously said, there's no scratch marks to prove that it was an animal. No animal could have caused those three loud bangs. We've had deer sightings in our neighborhood, but none of them act with such strange behavior. Usually, the deers would just run back into the woods. And bears, bears are definitely out of the question. There's not been a sighting of any of them. I should also mention that we had the lights from the outside on. Why would an animal come that close to a house, especially one that is clearly being illuminated by light? Like I said, animals in general are out of the question. The, I think the only reason why my aunt and my mom made up an excuse for the situation is to prevent me from becoming paranoid and afraid. It's pretty late now for that, since I've had my fair share of experiences as well. Now to my aunt's friend. My aunt told me that her friend, when she was younger, suffered from really bad night terrors. She said that she saw strange things, demonic entities as she would describe them. She'd wake up screaming and crying. It was traumatizing for her. Her family has always been religious and then prayed for her every night. And slowly, these things that haunted her went away as she grew up. The thing that really creeped me out and led me to believe that what she might have brought or attracted that night to our house might have been a demonic entity. I hope this never happens to me again. 
please let me know what you guys think it might have been. Those were three extremely loud knocks at my door. It couldn't have been an animal. I think it was a demon. Story 3 I lived in an old apartment building. I've been here for about two years, and my roommate and I have had very scary experiences thus far. It was around four in the morning when we were awoken from a dead sleep by fire alarms going off throughout our entire four-story apartment building. Seeing as this place is occupied mostly by seniors, we figured someone left a pot on in the stove again. I grumbled and blindly grabbed for a blanket. Last time that we had a false alarm, I was left shivering and barefoot in the sidewalk waiting for the fire department and I wasn't going to let that happen again. My roommate and I put on our shoes. I grabbed my phone and keys and we poked our head out into the hallway. Nothing seemed off. The hall was quite empty. No one else had come out of their apartment yet. Reluctantly, my roommates and I walked down the hall towards the lobby. We figured that our neighbors would probably follow suit, but it was only when we went through the lobby and out the front door that we realized something was actually wrong. A handful of people were already outside of the building. We followed them around to the side of the building and more people fled in their pajamas in horror. We saw an apartment on the top floor belching out flames. People were frantic, searching for water, a ladder, anything. Someone remarked that there was a lady who lived in the apartment who had mobility issues and she needed to be recovered now. And where the heck is that fire department? My roommate was quite disturbed by the whole scene, so we decided to go back to the front of the building, away from the fire. On our way back, we saw a guy jump off his balcony to the ground. He rolled when he landed, but I think it still really hurt. Judging from how he sat on the grass and groaned for quite a while, he was lucky he was only on the second floor. There was chaos, yelling, screaming, and an odd mix of panic and disinterest, especially among the senior citizens who didn't want to leave the building because using the stairs was so difficult. The fire department arrived much quicker than we've ever seen before seeing that this was actually a real emergency. And it wasn't long before the elderly ladies in the nightgowns were being rescued via ladders and wheelchaired off to the hospital next door. At one point, the man who lived below the apartment that was on fire had a screaming episode at one of the landlords. 
the one who looked like a walking skeleton with an oxygen tank and a scooter. By the time the fire department got everything under control, it was around 6 or 7 a.m. The sun was up and everyone was beginning their morning commute. The fire department had blocked off the whole street, which must have been a pain. The entire population of my building sat on the curb in pajamas and blankets. Little kids, old people, broke college kids, and the works. The community really pulled together that morning. The public bus service gave us a couple of buses to sit and warm up in instead of standing around on the chilly sidewalk. Paramedics handed out blankets and checked on everyone and looked for injuries. The people in the surrounding houses were kind enough to bring us water and snacks. One lady brought a serving tray with mugs of tea from her own kitchen and offered it to everyone she could find. My mom came and picked me and my roommate up. She lives about an hour outside of town and didn't even have time to shower yet. She brought us breakfast and a change of clothes as we didn't even know when we'll be allowed back into the building. The most disturbing details of what had just taken place that morning came to us as we were waiting on the bus. Everyone was talking about the fire, of course, but one man had a particularly horrifying detail to add. He heard that, through the grapevine, that the lady whose apartment caught on fire never made it out the building. Sadly, we suspected as much with her mobility issue and all. But there was more. The firefighters apparently found her in the hall. She made it out of her apartment, but couldn't escape the smoke. Whether she died from the smoke inhalant or from the burns, we're not sure. But one thing that the man said that sticks with me was the fact that someone said that as they stood outside and watched the flames, they can hear the woman screaming, Help me, I'm burning. I've always been afraid of burning to death. And the idea that my neighbor may have had such a horrifying end is deeply disturbing. I know the man who lived under her also heard her screaming. He wouldn't stop talking about it. I think he ended up with some form of PTSD from this event. And I don't blame him. We were all brought to the community center where the fire department and the emergency response volunteers helped bring some clarity to the situation and told us what to expect. Everyone was kind and sympathetic to us. Whatever we needed, they provided for us. I think all of that is pretty standard. But still, I was extremely thankful for the kindness of the volunteers, firefighters, paramedics, and the Good Samaritans. 
It was surreal to be in a situation like that. We almost had nothing on us. My roommate didn't even grab her phone, so she had to use mine to call her family and to let them know that she's doing okay. We had no money, no ID, none of the essentials, and we had no idea how long we were going to be homeless for. I was so happy to have my mom with me. I felt like a little scared girl, even if I didn't show it. We were lucky. The fire happened on the opposite side of the building from us. Our unit was totally unaffected. We were one of the few allowed back into our apartment that same day. The building stunk of smoke for weeks. Even though the fire took place on the fourth floor in a single apartment, the damage was extensive. Even on the ground floor, the walls were blackened with ash. When they attempted to start fixing up the building, they found asbestos in the walls. A few people were forced to move out of their apartment, and we're talking people who've lived there for over 30 years. I remember the night that we were allowed back into our apartment. I wanted to box up my most prized possession, and I kept them in my car, as if I thought the building was gonna catch on fire again. My home didn't feel safe anymore, and it wouldn't for several weeks. It would take a long time for any of us to hear anything about what caused the fire. Last I heard, a space heater was to blame, but... I don't know for sure. In the days that followed, the fire was featured on the front page of the local paper. The family that lived down the hall from us was featured in the picture. The article spells out in details that I've already heard. It labeled the guy that lived below the fire as a hero for attempting to save the lady upstairs. It was a valiant effort. But there was really nothing he could have done without endangering himself. I felt sorry for him, but I often wonder if the guilt keeps him up at night. Sometimes I think about the lady who passed away in this building. I listen to a lot of ghost stories, so I wonder if her spirit haunts this place. Her sudden and horrifying death would be the sort of thing that would make a ghost linger on earth, wouldn't it? So many things are left unfinished. Regardless, I hope she's at peace, and I hope that my neighbor has been able to find some kind of semblance of peace as well. Four months later, we regain some sense of normalcy, before you knew Things are now back to the way they were, if you ignore the orange tarp around the side of the exterior, the restoration vans that still come and go every day, and the security guard stationed in the lobby. The damaged wing is still closed while they try 
and sort out the asbestos situation. But for those of us who live on the other side of the building, things are relatively normal. I hope they stay that way. Story 4 I have always been interested in listening to other people's ghostly encounters, but I had never actually experienced anything unusual myself until this, which has since made me a little bit less skeptical. At the time of my encounter, I had recently landed a new job, which paid a lot more than what I was used to, so I moved into a house by myself closer to the CBD, Sydney Central Business District. The house was a nice little Queenslander in an area with steep streets and a great view of the city itself. I loved it. It took me all day to get my stuff in there with the help of a few of my mates who hung around into the night to help me settle in. It wasn't until they left around 11 p.m. that strange things started to happen. Alone, for about five minutes, I was in the kitchen cleaning up when suddenly I feel strange for no apparent reason. It was a feeling I can't describe. Sort of like the feeling I get by just having deja vu or having something during the day that reminds me of a dream that I've had the night before. It wasn't a bad feeling, just strange, like I've been to this place before, which I most certainly hadn't. Unable to shake off this feeling, I decided that I must be tired. So after hunting for my toothbrush and toothpaste, which was still packed, I went to bed. Lying there in the darkness, trying to ignore how I was feeling, I opened my eyes, which were facing the door of my bedroom. I saw a figure standing in the doorway, seemingly looking at me. I was frozen with fright and a little in disbelief. The figure, which was featureless, just looked like a shadow in the dark. It was only there for a few seconds, then it turned and walked. I could hear it walking back into the lounge room. I laid still straining my ears to see if I could hear sounds coming from out there, but I heard nothing. Annoyed at how frightened I was, I decided that I should go out there to investigate. I'm usually not frightened as I'm a pretty big guy myself and I think I could handle myself pretty good if need be. First. I turned on the bedroom light. I walked quietly around the house, turning the other light on as I went. I went to check 
that the doors, front and back, were still shut, and the windows were still shut as well, so no one could have gotten in. Not wanting to go back to sleep yet, I turned on the telly and I watched it for a while. I soon thought that I was imagining seeing that thing in the doorway and convinced myself that it definitely couldn't have been a prowler or anything like that. And logically, it couldn't have been a ghost either because I don't believe they exist. Now, back in bed with the light off, I rolled over to face the wall this time. Just as I began to doze off, I started to get that strange, strange feeling again. Then, my bedroom door slammed shut by itself. Scared senseless, I jumped out of bed and tugged the door open. There he was again, this time face to face, up close. This figure was right in front of me. I could have reached out and touched him. I could see his face, but it was too dark to make out his eyes. I stood there, one hand still on the doorknob. Before I could do or say anything, the thing opened its mouth and a gargle, soft hissing sound came out. I slammed the door shut right in its face. I grabbed my keys, then jumped straight out the bedroom window, ran up the side of the house, into the streetlight where my car was. I got in as fast as I could, and I took off. When I got to my mate's place, where I used to live, I beat on the door until he came and opened it. What the hell is wrong with you? He said. I then realized the whole time I was wearing nothing except my undies that I was sleeping in. When I told him what had happened, he thought I was crazy and wanted to go back to the house, but there was no way I was going back there this night. The next day, I canceled my lease, which it was supposed to be for 6 months, so I lost about $1,300 worth of bond and rent. But I couldn't bear the thought of another night in that house. The real estate agency has said that something like that has happened in the house in the past, but the previous tenants didn't have any problems. Looking back on the event now, roughly over a year later, it doesn't seem quite real, and I can't explain it to everyone without them thinking that I'm crazy or something. But I know, I know, something definitely happened to make me react like that. I just don't know what it was. Story 5 A few years back in high school, I went to Johnson Senior High, St. Paul, Minnesota. A group of buddies always walked home from school when it was warm. If we weren't home, then we were at my buddies b-boying. 
one day, my buddies, a group of six of us, were headed to my buddy Philip's house to hang out. I had to work, so I wasn't with them. It was a nice, sunny, warm day, just like any other day that we would hang out. As they walked towards the tunnel in Phelan Lake, most times they would talk about how haunted this tunnel was or whatever. It's also because the state trail was also on top. One of my friend was being a smart snob and started mouthing off. He said, Ha ha, this tunnel isn't haunted. If it is, show something. Come on, make the wind blow as hard as you can. Make it all dark and all cloudy. But nothing happened. A few weeks went by, and one day, my friend walked home by himself. It was hot and sunny, sort of towards the end of the school year. As he reached the tunnel, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the sky went dark, and a strong wind flipped him off his feet. It scared the heck out of him that he almost pissed his pants. Afterwards, he ran all the way home as fast as he could. A week later, he told us what happened to him. Now, I'm not saying that it has anything to do with my friend's incident, but my dad has always told me, never test the spirits, or they will show you a world of hurt. Lesson learned for him, never test the spirits. Story 6 This happened four years ago. Just thinking about it gives me the shivers. Okay, I was 10 then, but I remember it very clearly. Before moving to this house that I'm living in, I lived in a real, actual haunted house. The haunted house was located in Lima, Keramat, Malaysia. What made me believe that the house was haunted is that sometimes when the whole family goes out to dinner or whatsoever, we would always leave the lights off. But when we come back home, my room, my brother's room, and my parents' room, the lights were all on, super bright. We didn't think about ghosts at that time. Sure, we had other thoughts in mind. Like, maybe a burglar or someone else came into the house. But when my dad and my brothers checked, there was no sign of breaking in. And nothing else was gone. Except some stuff were moved around. Like plates, spoons, and things in the kitchen that were moved. And we found, like, knives and forks all over my parents' bedroom. Talk about weird... During Ramadan, my sister told me this story, that when she was still little, my mom wouldn't let her fast. So every morning when it was time to sahur, sahur is the meal consumed in the morning before starting fasting. Anyways, my mom wouldn't wake my sister up. My sister was startled out of her sleep by someone calling out to her. 
It was a lady's voice. You know, all gentle, sweet, and kind. But something wasn't quite right. Her voice sounded as if she was in a box or something. Out of the grogginess of her sleep, my sister assumed that it was my mom calling from downstairs. My sister Annie, that's her name, stumbled off her bed and sleepily went downstairs. But instead of seeing my mother and the rest of my family ready to eat, the whole place was just pitch black. Not a single light was on. She could only make a faint light out of the microwave. And unmistakably, the sound of someone or something was cooking, using our pots and pans, clanking and all. And the microwave was on, but nothing in there. Oh my god. The way my sister told the story was so frightening. My sister said she was scared right out of her mind. She screamed like heck, and she ran upstairs to her room and slammed the door shut. Story 7 I live around Mark Hopkins. To be exact, I live on the 21st Street. I've lived here for about 6 years, and I've never encountered anything scary like this before. When I was a little kid, I would always play in the park up until dawn time. Well, till the volleyball players and all the gamblers went home, which was dark. Usually, on the summer days, the volleyball players and some of the people who were gambling would stay all the way up till nighttime, just right when the sun slowly sets. Well, I encountered something about a week ago on Friday. I was playing with a bunch of my friends and a little cousin of mine. I had three friends around my age, Chia, George, and Lee. Lee was a girl, by the way. Anywho, it was 7pm, and the sun was barely setting. We decided to gather all our siblings together to play hide and seek. Call us dumb, or whatever you want, but it wasn't getting super dark yet. Of all the kids, all together, we all added to 16 total. Yeah, a lot of kids, I know. So George decided to be the seeker. I decided to be the second seeker. Because there was a lot of kids, and George couldn't find them all by himself. So together with George, he and I counted to 100. 1, 2, 3. So the kids weren't really the smartest. We told them to only hide at the park. Some of them decided to hide at Rosa Parks, the middle school and at Mark Hopkins Elementary. So both George and I had to run everywhere to look for them. And it took a while. And now the sun was starting to set. Ugh, and it was so exhausting. We've only found eight of them thus far. Daniel, Lang, Shua, the twins Tom and Tim, Mai, Jer, and McKinley. We needed six more people to find. I hopped the fences 
of rows of parks, and I found two kids at the bleacher in the soccer field. By this time, it started to get real dark, and I was really hoping that by the time I got everyone, I could head back to the park to count up all of them and add up to see if the total was the same before we started hide and seek. The two kids I found was the age of 8 and 4, the sibling of Lee's. The 8 year old's name was Kang and the 4 year old's name was Cha. Curious of how Cha climbed the gate, I asked, hey, who helped you climb over the fence, kid? He smiled, no reply. Then Kang said, we were too small to climb. We just squeezed through the gates over there. And Kang pointed towards the gates that entered the elementary school across the field. Thinking of nothing, I put Cha on my back and I carried him back to the park. But I didn't climb the fence. I went around because there was an unlocked gate at the front on the left side of the school. Kang ran ahead of us and ran to the park. Tired of running everywhere, I would let Cha down, hold his hand, and then give him a piggyback ride again. When we got to the park sign, I put Cha on my back because he kept pulling my shirt and saying up, up. So I put him on my back and walked towards the table. This time it was dark and the street lights were on. Everyone agreed to meet up. Then we would all walk together home after the game. So when I got there, Chia counted all the kids. The total added up to 17. 7 freaking teen. We had one extra person. Still carrying Cha on my back, I put all the kids in line and asked for their names. Lee was the last person, and sadly, she was holding on to her own baby brother Cha in her arms. Then, my friend George yells, RUN! Scared for my life, I dropped whatever it was on my dang back and ran like heck. Now, I'm 5'2 and 125 pounds. Sadly, I'm a little chubby, so I lost my balance in the middle of the intersection of Matson and Tamil Shatner. Stupid me. I turned to look behind, and here is the baby that I was carrying on my back. It was chasing after me, crying. What the heck, right? I was so scared. I kept calling for my friend Chia. The good friend that he is, he ran back and pulled me up. And I was literally crying and telling him, I won't make it, I won't make it. I can't even feel my legs anymore. My knees were scraped and my chin now bloodied. Yes, I fell head first. Anyways, we got to the corner of Collingwood and George and we were with all the kids. George then says, dude, we have to go to Chia's house. He lives closer than all of us here. All of us ran all the way to Chia's house. We opened the garage and sat inside trying to catch our breath. Chia goes inside, 
and comes out five minutes later with band-aids for those who fell and scraped themselves. Additionally, he brought a pack of those Joss paper, you know, the ones you would see outside of Asian people's house, especially Hmong people's house. So he stick, he then sticks these Joss paper on us, sort of like the Chinese vampires, but instead on our foreheads, it was on our bodies. I thought it was sort of silly, but that night, I had my parents pick me up and my three siblings. When I got home, I told my grandma what I encountered. And you know, old people, they love to gossip. My grandma said before I was born, when she barely came to the States, they lived in a house off of 24th Street. She told me that a Hmong lady threw her unwanted baby boy at the park, hoping a Hmong family would find the baby crying and take it home. Sadly, the baby died overnight because it was too cold. The baby was found by an American lady who was on her morning jog. Ever since this incident of this baby chasing me, I have not been to the park. I have been home all week, paranoid as heck. Has anyone else experienced this? Again, this is the park near Rosa Parks Middle School and Mark Hopkins Elementary. Let me know if you've also encountered weird incidences here. Thanks everyone for making it to the end of this episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the channel. I look forward to seeing you at the next one. Thank you.